Kevin Bowen here. Don't forget to listen to The Fan now on 93.5 or 107.5 FM. And check out our latest coverage online at 1075thefan.com. This is Quentin Nelson. Just got done kicking it with the boys. Make sure you list and subscribe. Gives off to Marlon Mack, cuts up field, patient run, spins out of a tackle, still going, he's at the 10, he's at the 5, looking for the pylon, and he is in, touchdown Marlon Mack, the best run you'll see all year, the Colts are in, it's 7-6 with a 13-yard run from Marlon Mack. There's the knee, and there's the win for the Colts, the Indianapolis Colts have won their 300th regular season game since moving to Indianapolis in 1984. They knock off the Jacksonville Jaguars 33 to 13. Cake stands around as the Colts make sure their fans at least have a little bit of a break from fourth quarter drama with an impressive runaway 33 to 13 victory over the Jags. We said it all week, Joey Molinaro. Could the Colts bounce back again? Could they be resilient? Could they rebound? They've done it before under Frank Reich. And they did it again in a big, big way. Yeah, and after that first drive by uh, Jacksonville, or the first scoring drive by Jacksonville, it was kind of like, oh, God, what do yeah. we got? What's going on? And then a few big plays by Chris Ballard's guy, Jonathan Williams. Mm-hmm. Of course, Marlon Mack, who we'll get more into about the injury and everything. But uh, it was it was impressive. It was, and definitely an impressive second half. Putting the nail in the coffin, you know, getting the team down, putting them away. Um Obviously, some really big injuries. It's amazing the injury situation now is it's probably the worst I've seen it exiting a Sunday game all year, and it happens to fall in a short week. So that that's not great. Um, so we're going to touch a little bit on that, and we'll get into the things I like, things I didn't like, as always. And it's just <laughs> I see the stat line, Joey, of like Jacoby Brissett leading passer, Jonathan Williams leading rusher, Marcus Johnson leading receiver. I know. Is that week four of the preseason? Right. You know, no, the Colts just scored 33 points without T.Y. Hilton. Uh, the most points they've scored all season, I think. I believe so. Yeah. yeah I think you had 30 against Houston, I want to say. And, um, you know, it's not always pretty when you play Jacksonville. And I think early on, clearly, it, it wasn't going to be pretty. And, and you had some tough moments there in the first half. But uh, that third and 19 play by Williams, I cannot reiterate that enough, how big of a play that was. Because, you go through, not three and out, but if you punt on that first possession in the second half, I mean, Jacksonville, it feels like they're right in it. Maybe they establish Fournette a little bit more. Maybe they get him going. Uh, maybe Foles doesn't throw those weird deep balls. He continued to throw into, like, double coverage all game long. Um, I kept asking myself, I, I kept finding myself saying, how did this guy win a Super Bowl? How did he beat the New England Patriots <laughs> in a Super Bowl? In a In a shootout. Yeah. You know, not like some sloppy, you know, 14 to 10 game where you're relying on your defense. But um, the Colts got some great playmaking from their defense that we'll get into. Um, But, yeah, it's just I I think if we're learning some things about Frank Reich, it's that his teams don't let things snowball. It's not going to be all pretty, and it never is for 98% of NFL teams. But this season could have spiraled one way or the other after Miami. And on Sunday— you were able to keep the ship afloat when you got really banged up. And I think that's a credit to Chris Ballard, credit to Frank Reich. 
in that their kind of even keel approach, I think, helps out big time in these situations. So you needed to bounce back. You needed to deliver. Winning by multiple scores is just kind of the cherry on top. And now you've now you've set up a game on Thursday, which this will be our only podcast this week uh, before we get into Houston on Thursday. But, Joey, I think the early numbers are the Colts have a 54% chance to make the playoffs right now. Mm-hmm. They win on Thursday. That goes up to, like, 84%. They lose. I think it goes all the way down to, like, 35 Mm. Like 50% chance for one game? Right. We know. I mean, that we had this circled even before Andrew Luck retired. Oh, yeah. He had this game circled. This as, was always the game of the Yeah, this was always the game of the year. And uh, should, we, should we get into keg stand now or should we get into it during Twitter questions? I know we're going to get a lot in Twitter questions. So, I mean, your name on the show, you tell me. I'm down for whatever. Let's wait. Okay. But, well, if the touchdown would have counted, we would have got into it now. But right. still, we got to talk about the stand. For sure. It's always nice on a Monday to get into, to start with things that you like. That means that the Colts won. And there was plenty to like about yesterday, and you can't really start anywhere else. But, um, hey, running the damn ball, and they did that at a historic fashion yesterday. Yeah. You know, CBS said first time ever that they had 200-yard rushers. Ended up being the fourth time ever the Colts have had 200-yard rushers in a game. I mean, think back to the Chuck Pagano days, Joey. 47 straight games without a 100-yard rusher. Oh, yeah. 50, it, that number grew to 55. 55 straight games. Vic Ballard in Week 15 of the 2012 season, all the way until Frank Gore on a Thursday night in Houston, getting to 100 yards. 55 games. They go without a 100-yard rusher. Especially for a coach that, you know, we got to ground, ground and pound. we got to be tough. we got to run. we got to ground and pound. Yeah, and so then that was even more of a weird, yes. weird happening. Yeah, that's uh, how Chuck said they are going to be built. That house never got built. Um, what a performance by the rushing attack. And Marlon Mack should be commended, Joey, certainly, for that spin move. I mean, do people still play video games with a with the circle button? I mean, that, that's I grew up with PlayStation yeah. hit, hitting the circle. Oh, yeah. People were saying, no, it, it's a B button. Well, it depends if you have an Xbox or you have a PlayStation. PlayStation oh, is a circle. I, I never had an Xbox. Yeah. Okay. So, I got it. Okay, that makes sense. Shows my tomato, age. tomato. Yeah. Whatever it was, it was a spin cycle. It was nasty. It was beautiful. Whatever you want to call it. Um, Mac was tremendous. Jonathan Williams as well. But I I feel like the most credit for this rushing performance, Joey, needs to go to the offensive line. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have two individual rushers go over 100 yards, that to me is even more of a compliment of the O line. It wasn't just one runner getting hot and he goes for 200 yards or something like that. No, no, this is two separate guys getting over 100 yards. And we talked about on last week's podcast, your offensive line with the standard that you grade them to had been underwhelming in recent weeks. And this is when you needed them the most because we all watched the first half. If the Colts got into a shootout and and needed to pass it more or they got behind, that O-line wasn't going to hold up in pass protection. Yeah. You, you just you just were not going to hold up. You had to run the football. Your wideouts were not winning downfield. We'll get into the passing efficiency a little bit later. And I thought your O-line was, was just was tremendous. Throw the tight ends into that group as well because we've mentioned them as having some issues in protection. And, you know, outside of Kansas City, we've kind of been waiting 
for the run game to do the heavy lifting, really ever since the first two games of the season. I mean, the Colts had averaged less than four yards per carry since those first two games, and they had over seven a carry. I think it was ten runs over seven or uh, seven runs over ten yards. I mean, that's create when your offense isn't doing anything vertically. You still need chunk plays, and you found that in the run game. So, um, just an outstanding performance from that group. And and let's let's do mention Jonathan Williams. I mean, in terms of most meaningful players on your 53-man roster, he's probably 52 or 53. I mean, the guy is uh, inactive virtually every week, but Chris Ballard has always loved him. Um, Kind of the background on Williams, fifth-round pick out of Arkansas, was in a crowded backfield in college. I think Buffalo initially drafted him. Went to New Orleans. They had him active when Mark Ingram was suspended for the first four games last year. He gets very little run there, comes to Indianapolis. The Colts have him inactive virtually every week. Bring him up to the 53-man roster just kind of as a compliment to him. and Or I think maybe dressed him in a game just kind of as a compliment because remember last year, Frank Reich barely used Jordan Wilkins mm-hmm. late in the season. And you had Wilkins with an ankle injury on Sunday. Then Matt goes out early in the third quarter. And, like, it's one thing to stay, say, like, oh, I prepare like a starter. You never know when your number's going to be called. That's all fine and well to say it. But acting upon it? I go back to that third 19 play, Joey. That play was supposed to be Naeem Hines. Mm. Jonathan Williams had never run that. Frank Reich said all of a sudden the coaches look out there and they're like, oh, shit. <laughs> He's not supposed to be in there. And they're like, you know, do you want to burn a timeout on a third and 19? Like, sure. you know, Start early. Half, yeah, yeah, early in the second half. And I don't know, maybe honestly, Jacksonville probably was like, who the hell is that? Is that a, you know, fullback and H-back in the right. game? Like, and, and Williams picks it up and um, really turned the game. I thought that was the play of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, there sure, the Jacoby escape we can talk about and Marlon's big run. But again, I, I'm a big game flow guy. And there's so many games throughout 60 minutes that, that I think can 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 determine things and so Jonathan Williams tremendous job Marlon Mack continues to be a Pro Bowl runner this year it's a shame he has the injury we'll get into that Um, but you know kudos to Chris Ballard and Frank Reich for sticking with Jonathan Williams knowing that attrition happens at running back Mm -hmm. hell he could be your starter Thursday night yeah you know I mean I mean it's looking like that right unless Wilkins right is, yeah. It is, and, and we will touch on injuries just a little bit, but right now there's a very real possibility. If you're in a deep fantasy league and you believe in the Colts' offensive line and you saw what Baltimore just did to Houston, Jeez. you know, you might you might bring up – Don't remind me. Yeah, bring up Jonathan Williams. But, um, you know, I always liked him in training camp. I feel like you and I kind of talked about that a few days. Of You know, Wilkins was out for a while during training camp, yeah. and it's kind of like, okay – you see why the Colts see something in Jonathan Williams, but it's hard because then he got hurt in the preseason as well. He mm-hmm. suffered a hamstring injury, was out for a while. Um, you know, Ballard always liked him after contact. Thought he was a really good runner after contact. And I mean, the Colts didn't make a move of any significance at running back this past offseason. Nothing in the draft, nothing in free agency outside of Spencer Ware. Spencer Ware came and went, and they were kind of like, all right, we're good. We're good. And mm-hmm. Wilkins has been effective when he's been in there. Williams answered that bell and helped the Colts finish this game. But again, big, big kudos to the offensive line because they've been inconsistent, not as good as you need them to be. And uh, they were outstanding. Outstanding on Sunday. 
Defense also looked pretty outstanding in a lot of ways after, you know, despite that first score that they gave up early, they came back, he had some plays on the ball that they made, and they were really able to shut out Leonard Fournette. You know, plays on the ball, you know, that that stands out to me almost more so than what they did to Leonard Fournette, which I know some people might be like, oh, that's stupid, but... The job they did on Leonard Fournette was was tremendous. You know, holding him to under three yards per carry, and you know he has a ten yard runner to to start the game, and outside of that, he does virtually nothing. But I go back to the plays on the ball, Joey. You had ten passes defensed. Ten. That is so many. Yeah. Marvell Tell with three. Rocky Seen with a couple. Hooker with a couple. Like, think back to early in the season when um, you weren't making those plays at the moment of truth and the point of attack where you felt like you had good coverage and your opponent was just coming out with the 50-50 balls. The Colts made those plays yesterday, and um, I thought the secondary, all of them, Kenny Moore is the best tackle on this football team. Yeah. Eight solos yesterday. Did he have any wrestling in his background? He seems like oh, one of those, you he, know, in high school. Look like a, yeah, he looks like a stud wrestler. I'm sure you had a cathedral. I know, Ron Kelly, a lot of the DBs, you know, or even linebackers, they For were sure. encouraged to wrestle, and some of them did right. because and, and it helped pl- with tackling. And then on the football field, they play so much bigger than their height and weight. Right. And that's more. 5'9", 180, and plays so much bigger than that. Um, the plays in the open field – him as a sure tackler stand out, but then, you know it, it's the blitzing sack, which is something you're going to need again on Thursday. He you know, he didn't play in the first meeting against Houston. Him and Malik Hooker were both out. Now you have them both back. Um, the fourth down play, fourth and four. Mm-hmm. You had just gone down there and scored. Jacksonville starting to move it again. You know if they score there and they make it 17-14, it's still kind of a back and forth game. And Kenny Moore reads the zone and, and gets his hand in there and makes a great play. Um, Marvell Tell has really emerged lately. Should have had a pick. Um, Rocky Seen, you know, gets hurt on the interception. Tried to play through it, it looked like, then got hurt again on another tackle. And then Hooker continues kind of that physical nature. You know, Matt Eberflus, I was asking him a few weeks ago, you know, what has gone into this kind of Malik Hooker near the line of scrimmage before the snap? Like, we aren't used to seeing that. And, you know, Eberflus is like, you know, we, we always kind of heard before we got here, center field, center field, center field. And, yes, that's probably his strength. But if you want to be a versatile defense, you want to change things up, you need to move your guys around. And they've done that with Malik Hooker. So, um, great work by the defense. And, obviously, they haven't played a gauntlet of quarterbacks recently. But... They've been really, really good in the red zone. What stands out to me about yesterday's performance, Jacksonville didn't take one snap in the red zone. Wow. They didn't have one snap inside of your 20-yard line. Mm-hmm. So you were good from freaking 20 to 20. And I that's, that's another step for this defense. Um, so great work by Matt Eberflus and that bunch. And that's that's the recipe, you know. When you are as banged up as you are at receiver right now, you can't win shootouts. You got to be able to run it, and you got to be able to get off the field and kind of win the field position battle. And the, and the Colts certainly did that. One thing that's been really impressive about Jacoby Brissett, you know, there's a multitude of things, but every time I watch him, he seems to just have this innate ability to be able to escape pressure, get out of the pocket, 
not take a, a big sack, whether it be throwing the ball down the field or just getting five yards instead of losing five yards. And that was on full display yesterday as well. You're spot on there. You are spot on. And, and I'm glad you said even throwing away the ball. I kind of forgot about that play. Miles Jack had him wrapped up. Would have been grounding, honestly, if he didn't get the ball back to the line of scrimmage. And he's so freaking strong, he throws it you know, 10 feet into the bench. Like, I, I probably underestimated that as well with him. He's incredibly tough. The team is obsessed with him. And he really protects the football well. I know there are two turnovers that will go on his record from yesterday, or one turnover. Mark Lewinsky saves the day with that fumble that recovery. game changer, yeah. Dudes just don't recover fumbles, right? Like, how does IU not get that fumble in the Penn State game? And then how does Jacksonville not? I know. I mean, they're trying to scoop and score there. So they said uh, Lofton, whoever even said it on the on the yeah, broadcast, you know, just fall did. on it. Yeah. I think James Lofton's horrific, but, yeah, I, I actually did agree with him. Um, shout out to our guy Michael Grady. Great job. Yeah, looking, it was awesome. Looking nice to the CBS jacket yeah, on there. Official. Um you know, I was curious, Joey, coming into this game, how would Brissett look in the escape nature? That was one of my keys to the game because he's coming off the sprained MCL. Frank Reich had mentioned that him getting out of the pocket was not something they, they could check off in practice leading into the Miami game. A reason why he didn't play. And you're facing a great front. And you know your O-line struggle recently in pass protection. So Jacoby's going to have to make some stuff happen off script. And it was not all pretty for that passing efficiency at all on Sunday. But the two plays that he made off script, the Ebron toe tap, that was Jacoby escaping. Ebron doing an unbelievable job of keeping himself alive in the play and then making the toe tap on the sideline. That leads to a field goal. And then, obviously, I think it should be the offensive play of the game. You know, I know some people might want to give it to Marlon Mack in the in the spin cycle, but the fourth and goal touchdown to Marcus Johnson is the play of the game for me. You know, obviously, you try the Quentin Nelson third down. How bad was that carry by Quentin Nelson? <laughs> that That was one thing that, like, I'm this, not fat guys don't tote the rock that well, but I mean, right? I mean, the celebration definitely overshadowed that in a good way, even though he didn't score. But like, you look back at it, you're like, dude, get your big ass in the end zone. Just like <laughs> I mean, that, the ball's not in the right hand. How the refs called that a touchdown? I'm right, like, when he came in, I was like, no way. I'm like, there's no way it's a touchdown. I'm like, oh god, what are they doing? Why is he in the air? Oh my god, his legs are in the air. Um, but on that fourth and goal. Nelson's not on the field. You know, there's that weird rule about, you know, a guy that's eligible to play before can't come in and be ineligible the very next snap. I didn't even know that was a rule. So Nelson's not in there. So clearly Frank Reich didn't feel comfortable running it with Joe Haggett left guard. And that play was doomed. Brissett is swallowed up. That play's going nowhere. Again, that's the third and 19 drive. That's that drive. Yeah. Brissett escapes. Rolls to his right, finds Marcus Johnson for the touchdown. Did you catch Frank Reich's emotion after that play? He was hyped. Hyped. Yeah. Frank Reich hyped. I'd love to hear him mic'd up. Like, I'd love to be hit, you know. Jacoby, that was so fiddlesticks good. Yeah, you know, yeah, just yeah. stinking good. Did he like, get down the pylon? It looked like he ran, like, it looked like he was down the He ran down line. there. Yeah. He ran, he was inside the 30 or 20. I mean, he was running down there. And, 
it was it was in a just in a tremendous tremendous play by Jacoby Brissett. Fastball on Jacoby. Yeah, threading the needle right in there to Johnson. AJ Boy had pretty good coverage. Yeah. It, it looked like on that. So, you know, Brissett some inaccuracy certainly yesterday. Again, not all great by any means out of the passing offense. That's not all on him. The pass protection didn't help him, and the wide receivers continue to struggle winning one on one. But like, it's that like Brian Hoyer's not making that play. That's the play that it goes into the you can't teach category of plays and it just adds to um why the Colts continue to love him and continue to think that you know if you're going to ask me right now on November 18th I think the Colts will stick with Jacoby Brissett and like build around him and maybe they draft a quarterback in the middle of rounds and try and develop but like that that's just an an, an outstanding outstanding play I'll go ahead and say it couple of those escapes yesterday, a lot of these escapes that we've seen this season, reminds me of a Big Ben. Yeah. You know, and we were, you know, looking for comp or, you know, um, comparisons earlier this year. Mm-hmm. I think you mentioned a bit of Big Ben, or maybe we had a listener yeah. mention Big Ben. Byron Leftwich was another thing. The thing that I think he's so good at is when he's escaping, he's still kind of making a higher percentage throw. Yes, he had the one fumble against Denver when it when he escaped. But for the most part, he's protected it well yeah. once he's gotten out of avoiding that, that, that crisis. So I wanted to get that in there. The stat line will win Jacoby Brissett no awards, you know, weekly awards. But that play, along with the Ebron, toe tap, those are just plays that will go down in the box score as a simple one-yard touchdown. It was a lot more than that. Have to get to a few things that you didn't like, Kevin, even with a big win, and uh, really can't avoid this at all. It's just it is what it is. You talked about it off the top. The injuries right now for this team, really unfortunate. Joe, as we sit here on Monday, I list 10 guys that I will have my eye on this week for the Colts. 10 guys that could miss Thursday. That's like back-to-back years on a short week on a Thursday night football game on the road where you've just been completely decimated. I'm glad you brought that up. I would say the most the most injury noise out of a game all season just occurred. And now you're on a short week. Now, Houston, I guess, suffered some big injuries in their secondary. Lonnie Johnson got hurt. Um, Justin Reed got hurt. Mike Adams had suffered a concussion warm-ups. Wow. I think he ran into somebody or something. So here's the list. Taking the glasses off for this one. I am. T.Y. Hilton calf. Paris Campbell hand, Jordan Wilkins ankle, Pierre Desir hamstring, Marlon Mack hand, Rocky Scene ankle, George Odom arm, Shaquille Taylor ankle, Mo Ali Cox thumb, and it looked like Kari Willis got banged up late. I'm not sure on a body part on that or if he was just winded or what, but um, I'm not even including Devin Funches on that list, Joey. That's a long list. And particularly a lot of in the secondary guys in there. Yeah. Um Okay, Marlon Mack, fractured hand. We should know a little bit more later today, hopefully, or at least he's looking for, you know, kind of m- multiple opinions just on how long he's going to be out. Is this a Paris Campbell thing? You know, Campbell got hurt that Pittsburgh game, which was 
November 3rd. November 3rd. We are now, he doesn't sound like he'll be back until December 1st. So that's about a month. Are you looking at a month for Marlon Mack? It's right hand. I don't think that's good. I mean, hands aren't good anyways. That's a more ball-dominant hand. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, think about Marlon Mack, what makes him so good. Yep. Stiff, stiff arm. He's doing the Heisman. Yeah. Can you do a Heisman with a club on? I mean, can you play a running back with a club on? I, I don't think I mean, it'd be good for ball security. No, no. High and tight takes on a whole different interpretation when you deal with that. So, um, that's obviously not good. Then you factor in Jordan Wilkins with the ankle. You just you know, Wilkins. It looked like he's questionable for the game. So, like Wilkins, you think is close? Can he get ready for Thursday? Hilton. I'm not ruling him out just yet, but it's a dilemma of like, okay. He's done nothing in three weeks. You aren't practicing this week. You will not practice. You will do a walkthrough today, another walkthrough tomorrow. Maybe that's a walkthrough with a jog. I, can you get Hilton off to the side throwing with you know, Chad Kelly? I I don't know, something to maybe get him through a route tree and see if he can give it a go. Don't expect Paris Campbell. Don't expect Devin Funches. Where the hell are we at with Pierre Desir? Crazy. He's practiced three times in the last 15 practices. Again, he was doing work with trainers late in the week. He wasn't ruled out, so I don't feel like it's like... It's not like he had a grade two hamstring and they're just like, oh yeah, Pierre Desir, you're not going to play for a month. No, no, no. They're like trying to test things out in a kind of a semi-weekly basis. But he's been out. And then, you know, Rocky Seen gets hurt on the interception. He's in a boot after the game. George Odom's in a sling with the left arm. Shaq Taylor has in the ankle injury. Could your corners on Thursday night be Marvell Tell, Kenny Moore, and Shaq Taylor? Quincy. Oh. I mean, right? <laughs> Who else? Yeah. It's so weird seeing him on the sideline during a game. Like, I remember, I think it was after the third 19 uh, play from Williams. When he got hit out of bounds right there and right in front of the sideline, Sirianni, everybody's pumped, and then you got Wilson. It just he's kind of like he spitting it, seeds. It, it, no, just like he's excited. But I guess if for me, I'm just looking at it as just like you should be on the field. How excited is he? Yeah, you know? yeah. And you know, will we see Quincy Wilson react like Jonathan Williams reacted, or will he react kind of like Deion Kane? Mm-hmm. You know, and we can get into Deion Kane a little yeah, bit, wild, a little bit uh, later, but. I, Joey, there's just a lot of injuries to watch, man. Mo Ali Cox, right thumb. This is where you have to start thinking about things. IR. You put any of these guys on IR? Are any of them that severe? If any of these guys are out three to four weeks, you might have to put them on IR just for a roster number standpoint. Obviously, Chad Kelly, you would think, would be moved. You know, Take it off the 53 because you need a roster spot there. But, I mean, you could be looking at you know, seven inactives all because of injury? Are you dressing guys that are only in, only dressing for emergency situations? Like, this is going to be a very interesting 72 hours in dealing with roster moves and all those things. So uh, that's the biggest negative from this game is injuries. Injuries, injuries, injuries. If there's a little silver lining, it was a runaway victory, so Leonard, Hooker, and Houston didn't have to play a whole lot late, mm-hmm. but still. You are really banged up at wideout. 
really banged up in the secondary, which, again, that's kind of Houston. Houston's got a little depth at wideout. Hopkins and Stills and Couty, and we'll see if Will Fuller gives it a go. That's no guarantee, but, I mean, they, they still got some guys that they can do some things vertically if that pass rush isn't getting home. Another conversation, though, about Thursday night football. It always seems on those short weeks that both teams end up being more banged up than what they usually right. be and saying, hey, why the hell are we doing this? Yeah. But then Roger Goodell lays out a 17-game plan over the weekend, <laughs> and who knows. One last thing that you didn't like from yesterday's game, Kevin, and, and while you can on one hand like Jacoby Brissett's presence in the pocket, his escapability, the passing game efficiency is still something that needs some work. And efficiency is the key word. I'm not saying production. I'm saying efficiency. Yeah. You, you ran for 264, the most rushing yards you've had in 15 years. I'm not expecting 300, 300 yards out of the passing right. offense. Right, don't need it. And this is not all on Jacoby Brissett either. I want to make that abundantly clear. But the efficiency of the passing game is still not at the level that you need it to be to you know do some serious damage in the month of January. You had 148 passing yards on 24 attempts. It's an under six yard per attempt number. Um, you know that includes Jonathan Williams almost give up play a third and 19 screen. You know again it's the vertical passing game that still isn't getting enough. It's not even just like straight vertical. It's like semi vertical. Yeah, you know, ten yard routes, things like that, and you know, I include pass protection in this. I include Brissett, and I include the wideouts that just aren't winning. Just they aren't winning enough. And if you can't get Hilton back for Thursday, and no Funchess and no Campbell, it'll be a storyline to get on Thursday. Of when you do what you did on Sunday, that draws just even more attention from opposing teams to try and stop the run. Can you get back to the Atlanta game? Can you get back to the first Houston game? Now, obviously, you know, Hilton was a huge presence in those games. So I think the only way you can save this right now is getting Hilton back. Yeah. I just I can't see it all of a sudden improving that drastically. Um, so, yeah, Jacoby Brissett slightly inaccurate on a few throws. Um, you had a maybe a drop or two. Uh, the interception I don't put on him. I thought that was actually a pretty good play by that DB and Pascal. Um, you know, could have had a shot at it for sure. Just two catches for Pascal and six targets. No targets for Jack Doyle. It's yeah, kind of I remember a, they were talking about that on the broadcast. It's kind of a rare thing that you see there. But again, it is passing game efficiency. Need to be more efficient in that area. All right, you want to do some uh, victory Monday Twitter questions? Yes, 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 yes. That's sweet. All right, we got to start with Cody. Cody Felger, I know it's been overshadowed by two bad losses, but the Colts' defense has been legit since after the Raiders game. What do you think is holding them back from being a top-five defense? Um, Probably just a little bit more like kind of balance in the, in, in the front of that group. I, I think the interior pass rush hasn't been as menacing as you would like it to be. So, again, just kind of more balance up front with that pass rush as well. And creating turnovers has been something we've seen a little bit more as of late, but I think that was an issue for this team earlier in the season. So, yeah, to be top five, I think those things would stand out. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they have they have been – and like I said on Sunday, it was not just <laughs> – it was not just kind of relying on this red zone defense to save the day. Like, they have been so good – for about the past five games or so in that area, it was they were shutting Jacksonville down for the most part, 
you know, in, in the course of the playing field. From Jake, he wants to know, does Marcus Johnson – actually, I think I might have skipped one. I did. I tried to look over Country Boy Eddie there. Sorry, Country. Uh, before the season, someone told you the Colts would be 6-4. and four. A, would you be pleased with that? And B, who would you think the losses would be against? Well, I guess it depends on when. You know, before Andrew Luck retirement, after. I think after, you'd definitely be oh, yeah. pleased. Um, before, you know, there might be some people that were greedy and would want 7-3 and three or 8-2. and two. Um, who did I think the losses would be against at six and four? Uh, Chargers, Chargers, Steelers, Chiefs. Yeah, and honestly, I mean, besides the Chiefs, it hasn't changed. I would too say much. Texans or Falcons would have been the other team I would have thrown in there. And yeah. obviously, the Falcons haven't. Yeah, they played better as of late, but you know, have not really lived up to it. You know, your Steelers have had the unfortunate injury situation. Right. So, um, yeah, that's 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 how I would look at it. Now this is from Jake. He wants to know, does Marcus Johnson's production yesterday highlight the struggles of Kane this year? I think where it highlights that, Joey, is just the reliability. You know, Marcus Johnson, I mean, look look at the off-script play. You know, Johnson keeps himself alive, Mm -hmm. makes a play in the end zone. You know, does, I know it sounds bad, but does Kane give up on that route? Does Kane keep himself as alive as Marcus Johnson did? Now, I, I was surprised that, Pittsburgh obviously has all the injuries they have on Thursday night Yep, at receiver. So they sign Deion Kane off the Colts practice squad. That means he's got to be on Pittsburgh's 53-man roster for at least three weeks. Uh-huh. So they've got some sort of tie to him. The Colts could have promoted him to their 53-man roster and then made a corresponding roster move. So if the Colts really, really liked Deion Kane, they would have said, see you, Chad Kelly. Here comes Deion Kane up at the 53. Mm-hmm. Um, and Kane's going to be playing against Cincinnati this right, weekend for Pittsburgh. Right. Like and and maybe, honestly, maybe Kane looked at it and said, I'm going to have a role in Pittsburgh. Right. Even if I get called up here in Indianapolis with three injuries to Campbell and to Funches and to Hilton, I'm not seeing the field. So you, you often see that. You know, Gary Green, a six-round pick for the Colts. They wanted him back here on their practice squad initially after he was cut at the end of the preseason. He goes, there's a log jam there. I'm going to New England where maybe I have a better chance, which makes sense. You know, Jonathan Williams, why would he be run of the mill in New Orleans again? Or he felt like fresh blood in Indianapolis. Let's let's go there and see if I can carve out a role. Zach Paschal. Yeah. You know, things like that. So this happens a lot, but the Colts are not, they were not. Now, <laughs> I know it, it sounds like a far cry now. Going into Sunday's game, they were they did not need roster numbers that much. If they really, really wanted, they could have made a spot for Kane. Even initially, they could have re-signed him to their 53 last week instead of re-signing him to their practice squad once you knew Jacoby Brissett was good to go. The, there's no need to have a third quarterback. Right. No need. From Joshua Sutton, was Williams' breakout performance more a product of better O-line play and bad run D, or did you see some things from him that would lead you to believe he could be the guy going forward until Mac returns? Well, I do think it was better offensive line blocking and the and the wideouts and hell, I saw Eric Ebron throw a little block in yeah, there. Yeah, he well. mentioned that he's going to get one of those hats now. Yeah, after the game. Good to see that coming in there for Thanksgiving. Um, Williams was good, and I do think. I mean, if if we want to look at Thursday, Joey, I mean, I think Frank Reich would roll with Williams or Wilkins 
and leave Naeem Hines in that third down role. I don't think you would change the role for yeah. Hines. Um, you know, I'm going to be really curious because, like, I don't want to undersell the season Marlon Mack has had because I think Marlon Mack has created a lot of yards on his own. And he definitely did on that, you know, spin move touchdown. But I also felt like on Sunday, that offensive line was outstanding. Like, they did a lot of really, really good work. So, you know, do we find out more about Marlon Mack here in the next few weeks if he does miss a couple of games of like, man, when he runs behind that line, he finds a few more yards than other backs? Mm -hmm. Or is this more of just a Colts offensive line's really dominant and Jordan Wilkins averages over five yards per carry when he's back there and... Um, so we'll, we'll see how Frank Reich wants to divvy up those carries because remember last year, Wilkins, you know, hardly ever touched the ball late. And I feel like Mac is better as the game kind of moves along. I mean, I, I tweeted at a halftime on Sunday. I'm like, the Colts have got to get back to running the football. Yeah. Cause that pass protection, it ain't holding up. Josh no. Allen is going to be in the back. I mean, Braden Smith is just getting turned and it's just, right. It was not pretty there. And the Mark Lewinsky recover fumble was a. Huge play. Was that the same? Did that set up the third nineteen, or was that different? That was the last drive of the first, first half. half there. So, you, okay. so you could have been tied at half or down. Yeah, I mean that was a massive play with like tw- I think like a minute twenty to go. Yep. In the first half. So, if I'm guessing, and again this is early Monday morning, the week still got to play out. I'd say it's either Williams or Wilkins as your starter on Thursday, and then when Matt gets back. You know, maybe Williams sneaks his way into like six carries a game. But, you know, Wilkins was kind of still getting that even here recently. Mm-hmm. But I still think you want Marlon around 18 or 20 carries. Yeah. Don't get it twisted. Right. I mean, he's this is a guy that, you know, had the second most carries in the league, I think, behind Christian McCaffrey. And we'll see. You know, hopefully, uh, hopefully for Mac, it's something he can play through or it's not that severe to where, you know, you put him on IR and, you know, which would virtually end his season. From Conroy, wants to know, how long was your longest keg stand? <laughs> oh, God. I've definitely done them, Joey. I That's, must say. Uh, you didn't. I was I was lucky enough to be at your wedding, your your reception. There wasn't anything like that happening there. No, 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 no. That's not. I don't think that's a place to be doing a keg stand. Um, <laughs> don't know how much grandma lovers would have loved that. There you go, yeah. Um, yeah, man. I mean, I lived in the Varsity Villas, so I definitely did a keg stand. Uh, I, you know, I'm not a great uh, chugger, quote yeah, unquote. Yeah, me either. Um, uh, but I, I'd say I've given a good effort, about 15-ish, 20 seconds. Okay. Yeah. Solid. Yeah. I've never done a keg stand. Really? Really. Don't get me wrong. I love a good keg. Just never yeah. done a stand. Would you, so you would have been kind of Pascal or... More of a keg sit guy. Ebron, guy. you would have kind of yeah. just... The, the, the social drink for sure outside of it yeah well, okay let's let's get into the cake stand all right it's all quint nelson's idea yep he said bud light would be his beer of choice in the cake perfect we know full well joey quint nelson parties oh yeah i mean we Look saw the, the guy we saw the videos of taylor lawan we saw the questions coming in and some people over the summer were like are we concerned yeah, is nelson exactly. okay what's going on yeah i had someone tweeted me like I just saw the Colts offensive line at the Waste Management Open, which is that crazy golf tournament in Scottsdale yeah. where you know it's kind of like a football environment. He's like, they had been drinking. I'm like, okay, it's the off season, right. like <laughs> they're allowed to do that. But 
Yeah, he's a 23-year-old that is just 18 months removed from college. And, yeah, I mean, some stories I've heard from people that have seen him at the bars or seen him at the Indy 500, he he, he likes to have a good time. I mean, just look at the guy. He's yeah. 340 pounds. He, his nickname is Big Q, for God's sakes, who has a mustache. He set himself up pretty nicely, though, with the Bud Light. I mean, that's a potential endorsement. Oh, huge. Yeah. Great job by him. Brilliant. Um, Notre Dame degree going, to, going yeah, to work there. Exactly. And honestly, the execution was flawless. The execution was flawless. I heard you talking to, to Jeff Sattery on the, on the Fan Morning Show on Monday morning, this morning, and you asked kind of what, what how does that process come about? Like, is that practice during the week? What, we find, what do we find out there? So Nelson said that they've practiced it twice. And for whichever offensive lineman would score, he's doing the stand. Okay. So, you know, if, remember Costanzo caught a pass against New England oh, a couple yeah. of years ago? He yeah, did his great uh, play. Um, the little um, Street Fighter. Like, yeah, yeah. Oh, is that Street Fighter? Is that I, what think, it was? I think it is. Someone will will uh, will correct me. But um, Mark Lewinsky's always been the keg. He's the stout guy. Yeah. That makes and sense. then um, Brain Smith and Joe Haig and I think Ryan Kelly held him up. And Ryan. And Ryan, Ryan Kelly said after the game, hey, if you add up the offensive lineman, we've done over 100 keg stands in our lives. <laughs> no, he was he was dead serious. Ryan Kelly is another guy that it's like, okay. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And Nelson said it's been a while since he's done a keg stand because it's in season. Yeah. So, you know, maybe, hey, maybe the bye week this this weekend, you know, you get the weekend off, you know, throw a little kegger to open up your, your Saturday, watch Notre Dame Boston College. Um, I would have liked to have seen Chad Kelly involved. Oof. Like maybe uh, Chad Kelly in the end zone doing flip cup with somebody. He was he. I'm sure he was really itching to get out there. He was. He really wanted to be a. You part think of that. it's like the strength yeah. coach is holding Chad Kelly back on the sideline? He, like, he started to get you know yeah. that that flavor that taste on your lips. It just tastes so good once it once it like Will Ferrell style once it touches your lips. He he sees him doing it in practice and he's like, oh, you guys need help? You guys need like an extra person to come <laughs> in there? You guys, <laughs> right. I can hold his legs. Like Frank Rock's like, no, 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 <laughs> yeah. no, no, yeah. no. Exactly. Easy. No. Easy. Not uh, running out of any Thanksgiving parties but this year. Seriously, dude, I love offensive linemen celebrating. No, it was great. So they had to have known, like, if they say that whichever offensive lineman scored, so in the back of their mind, they have to know the least that Frank's going to dial something up for an old lineman down there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, this was something they've thought about. And again, all Nelson's idea. He told the boys, this is what we're going to do. Um, <laughs> I'm still laughing at the ref calling out a touchdown. Yeah, that was really bad because he was the one that had the angle to see Nelson yeah. holding the ball. and The and, opposite ref did it. Right. Yeah, he had the better angle. Um, that celebration will never – just because the touchdown was overturned, that celebration will live in infamy. And everybody bought in. You know, Jacoby was down there. Yeah, oh, yeah. Jack, even Jack Doyle right. was laughing. Ebron and Pascal right there. Yeah. That was awesome. It was perfect. You had the social drinkers on the outside, sure. you know. Yeah. It yeah. was perfect. Yeah, you have the pregnant chick, like, oh, God, I'm glad I got my solo cup here so no yeah. one knows what's what's in it. Perfect. Ryan Kelly strikes me as a Miller Lite kind of guy and then, like, gets up and then throws in just a huge lip of, like, Copenhagen. Maybe that's just the Alabama and I'm no, not being... No, th- I, I think you could be honest with me. Ryan Kelly strikes me as a guy that he can chug. Yeah. You know? These are the important questions. The, These this are. Is, this is what I, I wrote an article on for. it. I I, literally, I was like, I have to write it because the amount of seriousness out of Quentin Nelson's face and describing everything that went into the cake stand was incredible. And I think this speaks even more too to just like, remember when Quentin Nelson was coming into his rookie year and even mostly during his rookie year, how 
like quiet and just awkward and no fun he seemed like and it's just totally flipped in year yeah. two there there is a lot of personality there it, you don't see it in like Eric Ebron personality right. ways but there is there is a lot in there and I need a Bud Light commercial I need a cake stand and I need it tomorrow my favorite thing I still think from Quinn Nelson is when he did that promo for the Bussin' with the Boys with Taylor Lewan. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he somehow just said, be sure to list and subscribe. <laughs> list, dude. Oh, list and subscribe. God. So funny. <laughs> He's all one right. of a kind. Yeah. Okay. Um, we might do some more articles or something about all that on 1075thefan.com, so stay tuned. Uh, speaking of beer, we got Diesel. Uh, my guy, Big Diesel, down in Austin, Texas, Danny Cox. He asks, if we can agree that Brissett is Dak with a slightly better arm, would you sign him to a two, three-year contract extension for less than $27 million per year? It's a really good question, Danny. Thanks for listening. Um, I mean, do you feel like you have to do something with Brissett this coming offseason contract-wise? Two-year deal that he signed, you uh, know, no, back in? I'd say no. So you, you would ride him into the lame duck what if Brissett comes to you and says he wants a new contract? You know, cross that bridge when we when we come to it. Yeah. Um. Like I said earlier, I think we're to the point now where the Colts believe that Jacoby Brissett, and, and by that I mean Chris Bowden and Frank Wright, they believe they can build something around Jacoby Brissett. Now, the question becomes how much do they believe? Do they believe Dak money? Or whatever two years and or do they believe yeah. the five for a hundred x amount of million? That is the question. I would. I'm with you, Joey. I well, I don't know because if they if they gave that kind of show of faith before this year, right after Luck retires and everything, right? Yeah, the two year for whatever it was fifteen something like that. I mean, I think that's fair that they could say, yeah, we just we just did this before you had even become really our guy. And then you're then you've drafted a wideout you think in the middle of rounds, or a quarterback. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'll be really curious. I wish I had a better gauge on it. Um, all I can say is again, the Colts love him. I'd be very very surprised if Jacoby Brissett was not the starter, week one, twenty twenty. Let's see from Suarez. Since there's no pod before Thursday's game, what are your keys for a win in Houston? Well, health is going to factor into everything, Joey. How your secondary holds up against those wideouts, I would say, is key number one. And also, I feel like on a short week, don't you just want to pound your own line? Oh, yeah. You know, I ride those boys. You know, Houston just got obliterated. Like, I, I don't know. I feel like just kind of gashing them and, and going that route and making them tired and. It's not like they haven't done it before on the road in Kansas City this year and the playoffs last year against Houston. Against a much better front. No J.J. Watt, second time around. Um, no Clowney. I know he's more of a pass rusher. But. Right, but still. So, yeah, those are a couple keys that I would, uh, I'd be looking into. Casey wants to know, what's your confidence level on Williams being able to maintain good production with Mac missing some time? I mean, I'm not going to sit here and act like seven yards per carry is going to become the norm. Um. But I, I also don't think that, like, we're going to look at Thursday night and be like, man, Marlon Mack was the reason the Colts lost this game or, like, you know, not have I, – I don't think it's – I don't think there's that big of a drop-off. And I don't know. Maybe that's kind of how I look at running backs, which is kind of unfair. Because Marlon Mack's been really good, really good this season. Yeah. 
But, like, I just don't think there's this steep, immense drop-off of, like, T.Y. Hilton to your next wideout, Marlon Mack to your next running back. Does that make sense? Well, we're going to see on Thursday. I mean, you're all likely. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're owing whatever without Hilton until yesterday, so. Oh, yeah, that was nice. Break that little trend there. Yes, yeah, and scored 33 points without it. For sure. From Brian, he says, if fully healthy and if they make the playoffs, will the Colts have a realistic shot at beating the Patriots? The Pats' offense has been horrible, and their run defense is their, quote, weakness. Um... Okay, rank these teams. Kansas City, mm-hmm. New England, Baltimore. If you're the Colts, who would you most like to face? Probably in that order. Kansas City, Baltimore, New England? No. Kansas City, New England, Baltimore? Actually, no, you're right the first time. Kansas and City, Baltimore, New I'll England. I'll say Baltimore just because, to me, you're going to be going on the road to either Baltimore or to New England. Right. And if I'm... Taking my choice of yes, while Lamar Jackson, I'll admit, has been really, really good, and the Ravens are a really, really good team. Even though I hate to say it, they are. You were you, you were you were yelling at me a few weeks ago when I said Lamar for MVP. Yeah, I mean, so somebody I think Schefter put out there the stats are about the same as Tyrod Taylor's from twenty seventeen or whatever it was. So that doesn't change. But he has been really, really good. He's electric, all that stuff. My point is, I would still rather face a second year Lamar Jackson and the Ravens yeah. than Tom Brady in New England. Sorry. Yeah, I, I'm I, I'm with you. And, you know, as much as we can say this New England defense, you know, who have they played this New England defense? They're winning a bunch of close games. Like, they still are getting it done, man. And I don't know, just that history and... I don't think there's a huge separation between, like, any of them that stands out to me. Um, I think it would be good, though, for the Colts to, like... Kansas City and Baltimore have the potential to put up... 30 in a blink of an eye, especially Kansas City. And I just don't, I think the Colts are much more equipped, much better equipped to avoid those shootouts. That would be the one reason I'd want to maybe be like, okay, New England, you always feel like it's never going to be right. getting away from you. That would be the one reason that I would say New England. From Eric Richardson, how has Marvell Tell improved since his atrocious preseason? I just think growth. I mean, he's making a position change. You know, he's becoming an outside corner, something he never did in college. And uh, Matt Eberflus has definitely mentioned that he's practicing better. And, I mean, clearly the Colts have given him a bigger role than Quincy Wilson. And, I mean, some might argue Marvell Tell has been better than Rocky seen here over the past few games. Um, so I just think in general it's growth because this is a guy that we probably thought redshirt year. Right. You know, when, when he was first drafted. Uh, let's see. From Laura. What will the practice schedule look like during this short week? Should we expect mostly walkthroughs, especially with the fact that everyone is banged up? Yes. Yep, yep, yep. Uh, no full practices by any means. A walkthrough Monday, a walkthrough Tuesday. Um, that's it. I mean, that's all you're doing on the field. You get on a plane Wednesday and you're going to Houston. Um, yeah, so it'll be kind of an estimation of the injury report. I think the final injury report comes Wednesday. So we'll have all these updates on 1075thefan.com. I'll break down all the injuries, and and we'll get an idea of and, and we're going to monitor roster moves, Joey. Again, the Colts haven't put on put too many guys on injury reserve this year. Yeah, they really haven't. Do we start to see more of that? And putting people on injury reserve right now, their injuries might only be a month. But you just that's what happens late in the year. Yep, guys going injury reserve for you know not the craziest of injuries. From Stan Cal. 
says, I've got one question. It's 10 games in, so I kind of hoped I'd have an answer by now, but after every week, I find myself struggling more and more to answer it. Who are the 2019 Indianapolis Colts? <laughs> Stan, that is a oh, great stretch for me to start my Monday. Hmm. Um, no voice cracks so far. <laughs> I got to knock on wood. Those are always funny, though, when Make you get sure those, those in don't. there. Yeah, yeah. Saw my guy Chris Vangman this weekend. We had a good laugh about it. <laughs> um, okay, so I think they're a good football team, which to me means better than average. Mm. And I'm still just torn on just kind of that 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 teetering of okay, does that mean fourth or fifth in the AFC, which means what nine or ten in the league, or is it like? six or seven in the AFC and 14 or 15 in the league, which I know is such a fine line, but that that's kind of where we're at. And I really want to see these wideouts get healthy. That, that That's what I want to see. It's like, okay, the defense has played pretty darn good here as of late. Can that continue? And then what happens when the wideouts get healthy? Does that improve this offense or is this offense kind of what we thought it would be? And that's, yeah, if they play well, 24-ish points a game, and that's kind of where their ceiling is at. From uh, Jabroni, he says, I noticed Coach Reich likes to defer to the second half. Any chance he has the team ready for the potential onside kick? Nightmares from that Saints Super Bowl second half kickoff still happens. <laughs> uh, I don't know about that. Um, but, yeah, he always likes to defer, likes to get those two scores, you know, late half. Colts have won like 8 of 10 um, Coin tosses this year. Hmm. And hey, shout out to Adam Vinatieri. There you go. Nice contribution. Made his five kicks. Thought it, thought the ball just was better coming off his yeah. foot. Just looked a little bit better. Lambo sure. missed his first field goal of the year. Um. So yeah, Adam Vinatieri four extra points in the one field goal. Big. From Mac me a sandwich. We finally saw Coach Reich utilize two running backs in the backfield at the same time. That play ended up resulting in a decent-sized run. Should we be using this look more often with our abundance of competent runners? Well, I think you want to tap into it, too, because you aren't getting what you need out of your wideouts. So that would be a reason why um, I think you would want to look into that a little bit more as well. Lucas Robbins asks, if T.Y. is able to play in Thursday night versus the Texans, should the game plan still be to run the damn ball with Jonathan Williams as the starter at running back, or should we trust T.Y. to be able to beat the Texans as usual over the top? Well, I mean, you're obviously going to mix and match. You want to make sure if Houston's got the banged-up secondary that, that you do test them vertically. Right, if Hilton plays, you got to use them. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you, you, you still, I think, need to certainly try to incorporate your, your best offensive player, uh, but I still think the majority of it is, okay, establish the run, try to have the same blueprint against the Texans' defensive line that, that really struggled on Sunday against Baltimore. Colts Law says, if Wilkins' ankle is healthy enough this Thursday, who's getting the lion's share of carries, him or Williams? Or do you think it'll be pretty evenly split? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I would say pretty evenly split if both those two guys were healthy, but that's the question. Is Wilkins going to be healthy as, as well? So I think one of those two guys will be kind of your – your lead bell cow, and the other one will supplement that, and Naeem Hines will stick to the third down roll. Jay brings up an interesting point. He had to do a little research here, 
maybe you already did this research and he's just taking it from you. I don't know. Either way, good stat here from Jay. Says since 2007, the Colts have played 13 Thursday night football games and 10 out of 13 have been on the road. How high does this conspiracy go? <laughs> yeah, I did notice that. Um, boy, that's bad. 10 of 13 on the road. Yeah. Home to Pittsburgh on Thanksgiving a few years ago. Yep. 2011 season, they were home. I think that was one of their only wins that year. It was late December. Um, Denver. Weren't they at home against Denver a couple years ago? Color Rush? Yep. That's it. Those are the three. The um, yeah, it's weird. I wasn't so much on like the outside of not having a Thursday night game this year. Like nothing on the home schedule screams prime time. No. Nothing on that home schedule this year outside of, again, maybe like a Houston. Um, but yeah, why wasn't that on a prime time? I don't I, I don't know. It's something that has definitely been really odd. I don't think the Colts have been that bad, though, on Thursday nighters. They've won one in Houston. I know they've won one in Tennessee. Uh, so I don't think it's, like, killed, killed them. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's certainly something that you're like, wait, what? This doesn't add up. From Colin, with the Colts' vertical passing game struggling in large part because the Colts don't currently have any healthy wide receivers with vertical skill sets, that is, what are some ways you'd like to see Reich solve for loaded boxes? More screens, more creative Heinz usage, more jet sweep? Yeah, all, all really good points. I would say just more kind of underneath crossers, which, again, I know without Campbell, that's the best guy suited for that. Um, you know, Can you try and utilize Chester Rogers' speed a little bit more in the open field? Um, you know, Marcus Johnson and Pascal don't strike me. I mean, Pascal's your kick returner, so like, you know, shouldn't he be a guy that you'd like to get the ball in his hands kind of in, in in open field? Why does every time Chester Rogers does anything, I'm like, oh yeah, he's still here. <laughs> he had a few punt returns on Sunday that was like, oh God. I swear every catch he makes, I'm like, eight, oh yeah, Rogers. That's right. Yeah. Um I would say along with those ideas that Colin brings up, again, it's the more underneath crossers that I would like to see. Uh, just get free runners going horizontally and then letting those guys make a play after the catch. Because I think that was a big part of what Frank Reich did in San Diego and a little bit in Philly as well. And we just haven't seen as much of the yards after catchability here in Indianapolis. And right now there is nothing vertically. Nothing vertically that's happening. Uh, from Colts fan 31-32, they want to know, do we sign a running back or cornerback or both for Thursday? Yeah, I mean, you're going to have to – if Wilkins out, you're going to have to sign a running back, and uh, it's probably likely you're going to have to sign a corner. you got a couple in your practice squad, I believe, both both positions. I think you got a running back and a corner. So, uh, obviously, if you're going to sign someone from the outside, you would have to do that today. And as of taping this at 11 a.m. on Monday, we haven't seen anything like that. But, um, yeah, I, I would think that – it all comes down to the Wilkins health for running back. Corner, I guess you could get by if you think Roland Milligan could go play over there in a pinch. But, I mean, again, Shaq Taylor, Rocky Seen, Pierre Desir, all, all injured right now. And George Odom in safety. Oh, let's see here. Uh, sorry, scrolling through. Um... Bad radio, bad radio. Okay, from Jeremy. We are injured and can't seem to develop a pass rush outside of blitzing. What does Quincy Wilson and Tyquan Lewis have to do to get on the field, even though Tyquan Lewis was active? Yeah, and played. Played in the third down package. Uh, Quincy Wilson, what does he have to do to get on the field? Well, he needed injuries, and injuries happened. So, I think we're going to see Quincy Wilson, potentially a lot, on Thursday night. You know, unless Pierre Desir gets healthy and the Rocky scene, Shaq Taylor stuff isn't as serious, 
or that they can get out there on a short week. Um, Lewis was pretty quiet, though. Don't know if he had a stat. And uh, let me look at snap counts. Uh, Tyquan Lewis, I do not see him listed in the game book for tackles, and he played 21 snaps. So, yeah, that kind of continued the Tyquan Lewis we saw earlier in the year. But, yeah, I mean, pass rush in general, it's just, I think it's more of a personnel thing up on the front. From Jack, hopefully it's not too late for the pod. It's not. Uh, he wants to know, if we lose in Houston on Thursday, what's the breakdown of tiebreakers for the division moving forward if we were to miraculously have the same record when all is said and done? So head-to-head would obviously be split. Yep. And then the next tiebreaker is games within your division. Colts are undefeated. A loss on Thursday would mean one loss in the AFC South. They only have home to Tennessee and at Jacksonville left. The Texans have already swept Jacksonville. They have Tennessee twice in the last three weeks of the year. So let's say, for some reason, they both go 5-1 and one in the division. I think the next one is common games. So the games you play against the same teams. Mm-hmm. So that would be the AFC North games, the NFC South games. Um, you would throw out... No, sorry, not the AFC North. I was going to say. The AFC West and the NFC South games. Yeah. So you'd throw out the loss to Baltimore and the loss to Pittsburgh. Good news for the Colts, you would throw out the loss to Miami. Um, and Houston plays uh, plays New England after the Thursday night game. Yikes. So, I mean, they still got a big game. But, yeah, those uh, that's the breakdown tiebreakers. After that, I think it's – I don't even know what the hell is after that, to be honest with you. Strength of schedule probably gets thrown in there at some point. Yeah. Those are the, I mean, those are three. Those are the big three. It's really hard to get past that. Uh, from Craig, what a win, he says. Can Chris Ballard get kickers in every week? I believe Vinny hasn't missed a kick the two weeks they brought in kickers to compete with him. Yeah, that has helped. And I don't know, was it timing? You know, tempo timing thing? Vinny mentioned that. I don't know if that improved, but certainly the ball was kicked much, much better. From Patrick, and this is the last one I have here, uh, Kevin, uh, with Robbie Gold set to return for the 49ers, and they are unlikely to keep Chase McLaughlin on the 53-man roster. Do you see the Colts putting a claim in on him or bringing him in? On the year, he's 3 or 4 on field goals and 8 of 8 on extra points. I don't. No, I don't. I think at this point they're going to ride out Vinny. And, and he would have to screw up again for them to make a move. Yeah. I, I think that's where we're at. I don't think um, Chase McLaughlin is that highly sought after that like, oh, yeah, as soon as he gets waived, we're going to claim him. I, I, I don't think it's that at all. All right, man, so we won't be back with a pod before Thursday's game against Houston. Correct. So what do we have coming up this week to look for? What are we watching for from the Colts? And then when will we be back? Yeah, we'll have a ton of written content up on the website. Again, that is 1075thefan.com, so check that out. That'll have your updates. My Twitter account, KBowen1070, heading out to the Colts right now after this, after we press stop on this edition of Kevin's Corner. Uh, Friday, work for you. Come back for a recap. Yeah. Okay. Yep. We will come back then Friday um, with a recap pod, and then next week we'll probably do like a Tuesday, Wednesday sort of pod, and then we'll get back again into our Monday, Thursday sort of routine after that. So cool. That's how we'll handle things moving forward. And uh, yeah, he's Joey Molinaro. I'm Kevin Bowen. Everyone have a great week, and we'll be back on Friday recapping a big one: Colts and Texans from Houston. This has been Kevin Bowen. Thank you for listening to another edition of Kevin's Corner. If you haven't already, subscribe on iTunes or Stitcher for the best Colts and Pacers coverage.